Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun and friendly host. We are in episode six of season five, the very best one yet. What is up, The Daily Grinders? My name is Kelly, your host. As always, we have a new segment, a new feature that we're doing on social, and we want you to be a part of it. The Daily Grind, that's the name of our podcast. What does The Daily Grind mean to you? Our simple phrase, following certain routine every morning to start your day or on a larger scale that shapes the outlook on your life. Submit yours on our direct link form, direct.me slash dailygrindpod, or visit us on social at dailygrindpod and get featured. keep the introduction short because we have a special guest on today's podcast like to introduce you to christos andrews he's the business owner of ghost note coffee a modern progressive coffee shop in the capitol hill neighborhood of seattle so welcome to show christos thank you yeah we are excited uh christos to to learn more about your story uh talk all about coffee that's what fuels us on the daily grind podcast here and and share it with our audience on today's episode so trying to throw in some puns here in, in terms of uh you know coffee and on the go and everything so let's uh let's brew one and br- briefly introduce yourself and what you do on your daily grind uh well it's funny because the daily grind you know it's like that's that's a coffee pun in and of itself was that mm-hmm. uh sort of an ode to your love of coffee everyone you know the love of coffee of people around you and what fuels entrepreneurs and stuff Yes, yes, spot on. Uh, yeah, daily grind. It, it fuels us. Obviously, I'm a, I'm an avid coffee drinker every day. Obviously, but in terms of yes, us uh, being able to you know iron off our grind, whether it's in the office, uh, in our own passion project, or doing something that we love, and enjoy. Uh, that really is you know our, our grind. I teaser at the at, at the towards the end of our interview here. We'll probably uh, flip the switch and ask you the question of of the daily grind. <laughs> Good. Well, mm-hmm. you're also in uh, you're in Portland, and mm-hmm. well, the Pacific Northwest is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's so much amazing coffee culture here, but uh, Portland, I feel like, is really for a long time, especially the coffee industry, is view Portland as one of the most hopping places for modern coffee shops. I I agree, and that's why we have you on the show to learn more, to dive into this area specifically, and you know, give us the the BTS, the behind the scenes on on what goes on um at at Ghost Note, as well as also uh on the specific Northwest uh, area overall. You know, from coffee drinkers to people you come across day to day, uh, consumers and our avid um enthusiasts here, you know, tuning into the show, uh, want to learn more and and, and literally know what you do on your daily grind. So. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit about me. I'm the co-founder and I'm also the coffee director at Ghost Note Coffee. Uh, so my day really always, it always starts with the pour over coffee. That's kind of my me time. Um, 
Well, I, I should say, actually, it starts with me uh, in bed with my alarm going off and my cats on me. Uh, that's kind of the hardest part is I, I have two cats and they love to be on me and they make it difficult to get up. But once I manage to uh, get them off, um, I start making myself coffee and um, I always try to, no matter how busy I am, I always try to set aside a little time in the morning to drink my coffee, eat something, mindlessly scroll through YouTube videos um, to start my day. And for me, that's kind of important because I, I always have a lot to do and just having a moment where I could uh, make a pour over, look at the elements, uh, look at the variables and uh, taste something really delicious, eat a little something, enjoy it, and then start my work day is, I feel like, important to me. So I always try to have that a little bit in the morning. Really well said. Yeah, that's, it's important to sort of find areas when you can, no matter how busy you are, to just take a little bit of a moment to breathe and you know, enjoy stuff. So that's, that's something that I sort of cherish in the morning. Honestly, I don't usually go out for coffee in the morning. I do go out for coffee. Uh, but for like my first cup in the morning, uh, typically it's, it's something that I want to do and I look forward to doing, to be honest. Really well said. Uh, I think too, just to have like the right mindset going into the start of the day is so important uh, for our listeners to hear as well. Uh, and again, whatever job role industry that they work in, um, just to level set, but also, you know, set us up for success uh, throughout the day. Yeah, I agree. So uh, once my coffee starts to kick in, uh, I take a look at my ever evolving to do list. So I have ADHD and writing things down as much as possible is essential for me. Uh, I use the notes app uh, with a list of projects that I'm working on and use it as a reference. It's always evolving. So each day I'll take note of the most time sensitive projects. I'll identify blockers with my other projects and I'll attempt to prioritize certain tasks. Um, a lot of people say that they don't like to use the notes app or do sort of text-based stuff because, uh, oh, they never remember to look at it or it's, it gets lost and whatever. Uh, for me, I think I think probably most people I've talked to like to do a physical pen and paper kind of thing when they're jotting down ideas. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but for me, that is the worst way for me to do it. I tend to lose those easily. Um, I also have really bad handwriting, so sometimes I literally don't know what I'm saying. Um, and I always, I, I have an iPad, which to me is perfect. It's, you know, a little lighter than a laptop and a little more heavy duty than a phone and I bring that everywhere I go and uh, I always have open notes apps with my projects and that's what works for me. So I'm always looking at that, adding to it, taking away, dissecting my projects there. Uh, my business partner, the co-owner of Ghost Note, he lives in New York and we have two check-ins per week. One is via video call, one's via email. And this allows us to keep track of our progress, realign our goals, work on ideas, and just hold each other accountable. Like being able to stay organized and being on top of it, um, especially in your role and uh, what you do. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. So speaking of, I guess, transition perfectly to you up for the next question here. Ghost Note Coffee. Tell us more. How did it come about, uh, you know, opening up a coffee shop? Well, um, 
so my business partner and I, we used to play music together when we were younger. So we're both from Reno, Nevada. And when I was, I want to say I was 16 years old, uh, we started playing in a band together. He plays guitar, I play drums. Um, and we've always remained really close friends over the years and developed a mutual respect, respect and trust of each other's respective opinions and our creative endeavors. Lee moved to New York a little before I moved to Seattle. And not long after living in Seattle, Lee introduced the idea of owning a coffee shop together. And we shared some ideas of what our dream coffee shop would look like. And it wasn't the right time for me to pursue my own coffee shop at that time. Uh, but several years, several years later, that changed. And we decided to explore the path of running our own And um, uh, so my friend Barry is the co-founder of, or he's actually the, I think the only founder of um, Broadcast Coffee Roasters in Seattle. And through casual conversation, I brought up the fact that I was looking to open up my own shop with my friend. And uh, he was really interested in our vision and he ended up selling his cafe to us. And that's how we moved into that space, which is kind of nice. Wow. And when did this happen? Uh, Taking over his space? So we officially moved in there in 2017. And we started working on the deal, essentially, I think in 2015 is when we started talking about getting the conversation going. But we officially moved in there February 2017. And we opened March 14th. So it was actually very quick. Just over six years, roughly six years. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it's, we're about to go on our six year anniversary of officially being open and serving actually, which is pretty cool. By the time this came, comes out, actually, we would have already passed that milestone. Yeah. Perfect time when we have guests on the show, uh, celebrating the wins here. Uh, kudos to you and your team. And um, yeah, we'll definitely again, dive more refill our for cups uh, throughout this interview to talk on, on day to day. Uh, can you also, Christos, talk about what you did uh, prior to opening up the coffee shop? So I was a professional drummer, actually. Music was the career that I had my sights set on. Um, when I started playing drums when I was at the age of 12. So that was, I, I really fell in love with that as my creative expression. And when, well, basically I had a friend in high school who, he, we have this idea of starting a band for some reason. This is actually middle school, but he wanted to start a band with me. Neither of us were musicians. And he was like, oh, well, I want to uh, play guitar, so you should play drums. And I was like, I, I don't want to play drums. I want to play guitar because guitar players are cool. And he was like, well, no, I already said I'm going to play guitar. You need to play drums. I was like, uh, all right, fine. So I convinced my dad to buy me a drum set. Uh, we never actually played anything together, by the way. We were just middle school kids just talking about whatever ideas. And um, But my dad said, okay, if I'm going to get you a drum set, you're going to take lessons. That's going to be, that's the deal. I said, okay, fine. So I started taking lessons, and that was great for me because when I started playing, I had uh, a guide to do things properly, to look at the kind of technical side of what I was doing, where I had music and all that and I didn't really care that much about playing drums at first I was just kind of mindlessly banging on stuff and you know didn't really have any long-term goals for it 
Um, but I did read a little bit of drum magazines and stuff like that and literature uh, throughout the time I was learning how to play. And I constantly heard about jazz music being really innovative for drummers and how a lot of these drummers of bands that I liked would talk about jazz drummers and how much they like them. So my dad is, my dad doesn't play any music, but he's a big music nerd. He listens to a lot of music that musicians listen to, which is mm -hmm. kind of funny because he doesn't know anything really about music theory, but he listens to like prog rock and jazz and that kind of stuff. So I was looking through his CDs one time and I saw an album from a drummer named Buddy Rich, who is, I, I heard his name before in drum magazines and a lot of people said that, oh, he's, he was an amazing drummer. So I saw that CD and I was like, I, I've heard this guy's good. I don't know anything about jazz, but I'm just going to put it in and listen to it because why not? Mm -hmm. And that just completely changed my whole perspective on it. And from that moment, I, I remember listening to it and being like, I don't know what he's doing, but I know that I want to play like that. And that was the first moment that got me thinking of creativity in that way of just thinking, wow, there's so many more interesting ways to do things and you can take things apart and uh, make things more open and, and collaborate with others and all that. So that led me down the path of discovering jazz and, and um, all these incredible musicians and jazz drummers and the artistry of that. And music in general, I uh, just started opening up to so many more different kinds of music and I just absorbed everything like a sponge and really took it in. So I moved to Las Vegas when I was 14, I believe, because my, my family's in the casino industry, which is why I'm actually from Nevada. So my dad moved to Reno, he had a job there for a while, or sorry, I moved to, um, from Reno to Vegas. And uh, in my time in Vegas, I worked at a music studio and I taught music and I played a little bit there uh, with various musicians. And then we moved back to Reno after my dad got a different job back in Reno. And um, that's when I started to become really active in my music. And I met my current business partner, Lee. And uh, that was really important because the group that I was playing in with him primarily was uh, with two other people who are still really close friends of ours and we still text them all the time. But they're, they changed my view on the creative process and um, how to look at ideas in different ways and how to collaborate and how to just look at the arts in general. Because we, when we talked a lot about uh, the creative process and things that we liked, it wasn't just music. We, we liked to explore different things and discuss them and debate them. And it was really important for me to learn that way of how to be open with the arts in general. And um, so when I was really focused on music and playing with better people and I was starting to become a little bit successful on a local level and playing with great musicians that were allowing me to do really awesome things and developing a name for myself, I decided to really try to solidify my career and move to Nashville, Tennessee. And the reason why I chose Nashville out of various places mm -hmm. is that they have a very strong sense of 
music recording in the recording industry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, it's just country music. That's what you want to play there. But that wasn't at all the motivation. There's a, a real big industry for recording musicians. And that was something I was really interested in. And um, I, when I moved there, I was also gaining an interest in coffee. But this was more from, I, I, I was not sure if I wanted to do it as a hobby or if I wanted to do it. Uh, as a career, I was wondering if maybe I could do music and coffee both simultaneously. Um, but the more I thought about coffee and the more I learned about it, the more I gravitated toward it and it kind of became something that it felt like I had to go there. It felt like it was, it, that was the right thing for me to do was get a job in coffee and see how far I could take that. And so I got my first coffee job, my first barista job. And that's when I really knew that I was in love with it. And I started to learn how to get my hands on it and how to dial an espresso and steam milk and make latte and all of that. And I started meeting people in the coffee community in Nashville. And it felt like that was the place that I had to go. And um, so then I moved to Seattle (laughs) because I had this idea of, well, if I'm going to pursue a career, I'm going to do it either in music or in coffee, and I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket. Um, that means if I do coffee, I'm going to move to a place that can cater my coffee career, and I'm going to, in a way that's kind of sad, but I feel like it's necessary, sell my music equipment and just go full on that and just be dedicated to it. And that's what I ended up doing. So I moved to Seattle and I immediately started not just with a barista job, but going to every coffee shop, going to every coffee event, uh, meeting people in the community, asking questions and trying to hone my skill and perspective there. And uh, throughout the years, I've been in Seattle for about 12 years now. since I moved here, I've competed in various barista competitions. I judged latte art throwdowns. I've written articles for coffee publications. Um, I was a trainer and consultant to a coffee school for many years, helped people open up other coffee shops. Uh, I went to a barista camp for a little bit, which is kind of fun. Uh, worked coffee events, became an events organizer myself took classes with other people when I could, people that were smarter than me, and uh, tried to surround myself with talent in the industry. And uh, I I feel like that's what really projected my career, and it made me grow in my coffee career, I think, pretty quickly by putting myself in these kind of intense situations and just trying to absorb as much as I can. I feel like I was able to make progress from being – really green in the industry to becoming a little bit more advanced uh, just by really putting myself in challenging situations and learning from others on how to do it. Yeah, incredible. Oh, wow. We are really going behind the scenes. Uh, True Daily Grinder on today's show. How I decided essentially to open up Ghost Note. And um, so... You know, I've always been creatively driven, and that's something that I've always taken the interest in, whether it's music or anything, of setting the bars high and uh, 
constantly trying to see things in a new way. So maintaining an upwards trajectory and not getting too comfortable with something. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think maybe is due to my ADHD. I feel like I get uh, bored with something if it becomes too routine and mundane. And a lot of people find comfort in that. And that's totally cool if that's your thing. If you want to, if you find something that you like and you're good at it and you just want to maintain that, I think that that works for plenty of people, but that's not for me. I need to constantly be looking at the bigger, better thing. Uh, so I felt like there was a moment where I hit a wall in my goals and my creativity and my opinions on how uh, cafe should operate and how it should look and how it should feel. It, it was getting more refined over the years and I felt totally unsatisfied and even oftentimes depressed in my career because I couldn't find a job in the industry that allowed me to express myself creatively and uh, constantly move the goalposts in an exciting way. So I felt like after a long time of just being like, man, I don't know, I feel like I, I have so many ideas of what I wanna do and uh, I go to this place and they kind of won't let me do that or this place is a little bit better but it doesn't give me the total freedom or I like this place and I worked there for a while, but then after a few months, it's, I, I feel like there's nowhere I can go. I sort of felt like I have to start my own cafe. And um, I didn't actually want to do that for a long time. I didn't want to be a cafe <laughs> manager or owner because yeah, there was a lot, lot of responsibility. And ultimately I liked playing with coffee and that's, <laughs> that's really what I want to do. And I want to be like creative and exciting uh, with it, but I don't, uh, you know, the operational side, I was like, I don't know if it's worth getting in that, but it got to a point where I felt like that was the only way to do what I want to do. So then I contacted Lee and, um, as I said earlier, we talked briefly about potentially opening a cafe years ago and we revisited that idea every once in a while. And I told him, Hey, this is, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to do this I think I want to do this and he said um, well if you're serious then yes I'll do this with you but let's let's not talk to each other for about a week and let's just think about this for a while both on our ends and if in a week you still feel that strongly and you want to actually open up a coffee shop and you feel like it's really worth it then let's do it. But if you have any doubt or you're swaying from that opinion at all, then let's not do it. So a week went by and uh, I became even more hungry for it. And I just said, yeah, I'm absolutely sure that this is what I want to do. And I said, great. So let's do it. And then, yeah, we essentially decided to start that partnership and mm -hmm. uh, really go for it. That's that's incredible, uh, Christos. Uh, where where you were and what you've done today and continue to build upon. Um, and just for our listeners tuning today's episode, just uh, being able to uh, continue the grind, uh, continue to being self taught and uh, be the expert now in in your particular role is it just speaks waves. Um, even outside the episode here, you sprinkled it throughout the throughout uh you know talk about the story but um what are some of like the biggest risks you've encountered since opening uh ghost note coffee 
Well, uh, starting Ghost No Coffee was <laughs> actually full of risks. It was <laughs> about the riskiest thing I could have possibly done in a lot of ways. But that's what made it equal parts exciting and terrifying. Uh, so while we were lucky enough to move into an established space with equipment and layout and permits due to my friend Barry, who on broadcast, that was um, just so instrumental in helping us get that space. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really great because it took a lot of the stress of finding a space and getting all, all of that kind of stuff taken care of. But at the other, at, uh, on the other hand, it forced us to move really quickly. And because he was like, oh, our lease is ending, we gotta kind of take care of this now and all this and all that. So we didn't have any time to uh, build up backup funds. We didn't have time to look at potential investors or to get the exact layout that we wanted. We had an extraordinarily modest uh, budget for remodel. Uh, we found one person that was willing to work with our budget that did some amazing stuff in our space and she's fantastic. But most people that we approached for design, we told them our budget and the stuff we wanted to do and they just essentially laughed and said, that's not possible. Uh, but again, we actually found someone that had kind of a similar mindset of us, which is she was um, faced with certain restrictions and goals and she took it as an opportunity to be like, hey, uh, I like the creative challenge of this. I actually love the idea of taking a cool modern coffee shop, giving it a super fresh look with a bunch of budgetary restrictions and seeing what we can do. And she did an amazing job. So um, I feel like that was also really important for us. Um, so we opened in a position where it was honestly sink or swim. We didn't really have room for error because we didn't have we didn't have any backup plan, really. And <laughs> that was kind of a terrifying reality to be like, well, uh, there's a high chance that we're going to be closed in a month if we don't have any customers. But uh, it also really drove us to make sure that that didn't happen. And um, a few things that we also knew were going to be high risk was we, one thing that we're very passionate about is um, wage inequity in the industry, like that whole issue. So we knew that we, even though I was the only employee at first, we knew that uh, our staff, we were going to pay them as well as we possibly could. And uh, we were going to give them things like paid vacation and paid holidays and all of that. And we understood that that was going to be much more expensive on our end in the short term. Uh, but it was, it's one, an issue that we morally are aligned with. And uh, we, we don't feel like we're ever going to really stray from that because we feel like people deserve to live a, a good quality of life doing what they love. Uh, but even from a strictly business perspective, it's beneficial to us because we're able to maintain staff that is really consistent, that is uh, has better morale, um, staff that is less burnt out because they're able to take time off when they need, people that are more willing to um, put in a little extra work here and there to make my life easier because we know that we're treating them really well. So that was, something that we're not really willing to budge on. Um, but yeah, it does, it, 
without a doubt create certain challenges because a lot of businesses will talk about how payroll is such a massive expense. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But at the same time, it's, it's, uh, if we were faced in a position where we had to, where we felt like we had to lower wages in order to increase our profits or whatever, we would just close the shop. It's not negotiable. How you run your business, I think, sets the uh, sets the standard in in uh, realistic perspective too. And again, uh, giving us you know behind the scenes on what goes on in your shoes as a business owner here. We face challenges every day in our own grind and our respective industry. So really well said and uh, shedding light. You know, a lot of people talk about the pandemic too, how that was that yeah. was a really big challenge, which mm-hmm. obviously it was for a lot of people in a lot of ways. I mean, it was it threw everybody for a loop, really. Um, <laughs> but at at the same time, what's what's interesting about the pandemic for us, but business wise, is uh, yeah, that was really high risk and there was a ton of uncertainty. But it was actually from a business perspective for us it was uh really really important for us and a really important growth period and defining moment for our business because we all of a sudden were in a situation where we were going to have significantly less walk-in traffic that was just a fact whether we liked it or not uh based on government restrictions based on um public perception and personal safety and things like that so a lot of places, a lot of bars and restaurants and coffee shops where we're just going to continue doing what they're doing, hope that more people would come in eventually and um, eventually probably close or close for a while or you know worry about how they're going to make rent and all that. This was actually an exciting opportunity for us because we had to be like, okay, this current model of a cafe is not going to work right now. It's not sustainable, period, for anybody. It's just not gonna be sustainable because we're not gonna have that same kind of flow of traffic. So what can we do to innovate and to adapt to a new climate and essentially reinvent ourselves so we can give people what they want and we could survive as a business and grow and we, We've always had a lot of adventurous ideas and there's no shortage of them for us, but the challenges knowing which ones to put energy into. And we were for a long time before the pandemic, we were at this, we were at this place where it was not great for us because we were making enough money to keep the doors open and to pay our bills, but we weren't making enough money for us to really get me out of the shop and focus on a lot of these more adventurous things. Um, We were just sort of, we were just sort of like treading water a little bit. And the pandemic allowed us to be like, okay, there's a lot of these projects that we've wanted to pursue that we think are gonna work better in this pandemic setting, like better retail and packaging our product and uh, local delivery and things like that. And we just decided to be like, you know what, we're just gonna, tear everything apart that we have right now and we're going to work full full time on these uh new ideas and we're going to uh put a lot of creative energy into them and make sure that they fit into this new environment that we all have to be in and we did and it was really great for us we actually did shockingly well in the pandemic um it was like it's as weird as it sounds 
some of the months in the pandemic were some of our most profitable months that we had in a long time. But it, it was because we forced ourselves to not just complain about less people coming in. We asked ourselves, okay, well, rather than just complaining about it and, um, you know, rolling on our belly and just saying, you know, this sucks. We're like, okay, well, I don't have a choice here. Let's, let's do something to make it better. So we started focusing on uh, what we call jug drinks, which is packaging drinks in-house and like milk jugs and selling those, selling some of our housemates syrups, um, letting people take home their, their favorite drinks, essentially in package form, working on better retail, um, having a more interesting chocolate collection, um, doing local delivery. We started uh, our online store, which we were kind of working on for a little bit, but we started an online store where we could ship uh, nationally and locally with a bunch of our uh, retail coffee, our chocolate, our jug drinks, that kind of stuff. And we were like, we're gonna make this uh, look really good or do outreach and it became pretty successful and it was um, really important. And the thing about the pandemic was as awful and inopportune as it was, I don't think that we would have uh, reached those goals or at least not nearly as quickly as we did without the pandemic. Like it, it really inspired us to just do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that sense, it was, it was healthy for us actually. Yeah. Really well said Christos. And also kind of, again, uh, teeing us up for the next question on just, you know, uh, you know, ghost note being innovative, uh, creative, all the above. Like how do you set yourself apart from uh, other coffee shops in the area? Uh, well, that's a really great question and a really <laughs> important one, actually, for us. Yeah. Um, there's no shortage of cafes no. in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted or needed us to open. Uh, so, I mean, that's just the truth. Like, there's no no one was like, wow, we need another coffee shop on this street um, because I don't want to walk an extra two blocks to go to the other one. Like, there's mm -hmm. people would have been just fine without us opening. So, uh, in order for us to thrive, we basically have two options, I, as I see it. So the first option is to recreate a cafe experience similar to what people tend to expect, but do it better. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of cafes that do that, that are successful in doing the, I guess, more standardized version of what you may expect, but uh, having better marketing or, you know, a, a slightly better menu and that kind of stuff. Or option two is stick out like a sore thumb and make ourselves discernibly different. And option two is much more attractive to us. And uh, some ways that we utilize this are signature drinks. So that's actually something that's been very popular and important to us. And so I'll explain a little bit what the signature drinks are to us. We have a menu that has uh, various drinks that are uh, essentially flavored coffee drinks and coffee and tea and other things with uh, other ingredients added to them. But they're very different than what a lot of cafes would do in the sense of adding, let's say, a uh, certain flavor to a latte and being like, this is our new drink because it's, uh, it's uh, you know, uh, whatever sweet flavor in, in, in a milky drink. Uh, for us, I wanted to, I, I wanted to create drinks that were culinarily interesting and that really set us apart from what you can get at other cafes. Mm -hmm. um, so a good way to think about that would be, you know, if, if somebody really likes mochas, 
let's say, um, I like a really good mocha. There are plenty of cafes where they can get a good mocha. And some can do it better than others. Some can do it not so great. Some are like, this is the best mocha I've ever had. But if we have a drink that is like a little sweeter and has a little more flavor to it and is interesting, but it's unique to us, it uses our, our unique ingredients, a really uh, elaborate recipe. It has uh, certain things that are that other coffee shops can't really recreate. Then that's something that sets us apart. If somebody falls in love with our drink, they can't just go to another cafe in another neighborhood and be like, oh, I want to get a drink that's like this because it doesn't really exist. It's unique to us. So we wanted to make sure we had a menu that satisfied the various needs of what people might want in a coffee drink, but are one, unique to us, and two, much more uh, fine-tuned than you may expect from other places. And at first it was, our signature drink menu was, we just wanted to have some fun drinks on there that I wanted to drink that would satisfy people, but it sort of grew into this uh, thing where people just responded to it so much and people came in every day wanting to try more drinks and be like, this is interesting. You never had anything like that. Okay, well, what's this one? Like, well, can you do it like that? And it became this thing where I, I ended up putting a lot of focus into it because uh, people responded really well to it. It differentiated us from other coffee shops and it became this phenomenal personally spiritually satisfying creative endeavor for me so i even though i've never worked as a bartender um i always enjoyed the art of craft cocktails so i i got a lot of um cocktail books like craft cocktail books from amazing bartenders and started learning a lot about the theory of making cocktails and presentation and watch some bartending competitions and as someone who's familiar with barista competitions and has participated that was uh something i was able to kind of identify with in a certain way and i came to this conclusion that making coffee drinks and being a bartender is it's the same thing we're making drinks and yes there are different kind of equipment that we use and different ingredients that we use but whether you're using alcohol or coffee or tea or anything we're making drinks and the important thing is no matter what that is, it should look good. It should smell good. It should taste good. Um, we should utilize things in a technical way of multitasking of, uh, being visually engaging the, we should be able to provide good customer service while we're doing it. We should, uh, uh create an experience that's really, specialty in an upper echelon. So once I had this mindset of being a bartender and being a barista are essentially the same, they're cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. I started to re-examine my technique in a lot of ways. And that really allowed our signature drink menu to thrive and become, I would say, probably the biggest differentiator for us in other cafes. Um, a few other little things that I think separate us a lot from other cafes is we do all house-made syrups. So this is um, something that it's, it's a, 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 I guess one way where you could think about this is 
a lot of times the best cafe and the worst cafe you go to will have the same, let's say, hazelnut latte. So yeah, the coffee will be a little bit better at one place, the milk will be a little bit better, maybe they'll steam it better at one place, but they're gonna use the same, you know, Monin hazelnut syrup, which is fine, no offense against my friends at Monin. Um, but it's, I felt like if we're doing something specialty and we wanna create a unique thing and people are going to get sweet coffee drinks, whether uh, the coffee snobs like it or not, I wanna make something that is really interesting and handmade. So. We started making unique house-made syrups that can satisfy people's sweet tooths and do it in, uh, again, another way that differentiates us. So some of flavors that we have are like rose lavender, which is fantastic. Um, we get real loose leaf rose and lavender, and uh, we get a, a floral tea blend, and we add um, lavender oil and rose water, and we make that in-house. We have an orange blossom honey syrup, which is uh, made with honey and orange flower water and fresh sweet lime. We have a chai spice honey syrup, which uh, I tailor my own chai spice blend and I boil that and then I uh, mix it with honey. We have a smoked grapefruit rosemary syrup, which is really wild. That's made with uh, fresh squeezed grapefruit juice, uh, fresh rosemary, uh, maple, organic maple syrup, uh, smoked tea, lapsang souchong, you know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff. So it's, that, that's another way of like mm -hmm. thinking people are going to get sweet coffee drinks whether you like it or not and we could either not offer syrups and be like you know seen as like coffee snobs we could offer the same syrups that everybody else has and just be like well screw it there, there's whatever there's getting a sugar in their drink or we could offer like one syrup like vanilla or we can just be like, I'm going to create the most delicious syrups anyone has ever had. And that's something that we mm -hmm. did and people respond to it well. Yeah, really well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, without going too far into this, I would say just a few <laughs> other small things that separate us is like, again, I don't want to talk forever. Sure. Uh, but, you know, we garnish drinks. So, for instance, our ice drinks that we get, we actually garnish. So, one thing that we do is we, for most of our standard, even ice lattes and ice mochas, we garnish with a little bit of a uh, grapefruit peel on top to make it look like you would get at a craft cocktail uh, or craft cocktail bar. And uh, we have really well curated retail as well, which I think separates us. Yeah, lots of, again, uh, setting yourself apart from, like we mentioned uh, early on in the episode, a lot of coffee shops, uh, this whole side of the, the US is very popular. Uh, and uh, feeling their grind with a cup of coffee. So I, you're just getting my my flavors. Uh, my senses are all kicking in now. I, I need another <laughs> cup, which is great. <laughs> Can you also touch on, uh, Christos, uh, like the coffee roaster that you use? And um, how's your equipment, you know, help you make that perfect coffee? Yeah, so we're, we're what's called a multi-roaster. So that means that we work with mm -hmm. a bunch of different roasters all over the country. Um, our resident roaster which we call them resident roasters, broadcast coffee out of Seattle. And um, one reason we use them is uh, because we own their cafe and we have this connection with them and they've been a really valuable partner in a lot of ways. So uh, their coffee is always in-house. They do our house blend for us. You're always going to see them at our shop. Uh, but we're also a multi-roaster, so we feature brilliant roasters from all over the country that are doing really exciting things with coffee. And... Uh, 
just a couple of those would be like Sweetland Coffee out of the Denver area. We have Onyx Coffee, Stovetop, uh, Little Wolf, Elixir, Case, which is uh, out of Oregon. You may be familiar with Case Coffee Roasters. Um, Old World out of Reno is an ode to me and, and Lee, and um, many more. I mean, there's there's lots of brilliant roasters out there, but uh, mm-hmm. people that are really pushing the industry with, with their roasting is exciting to us. And as far as equipment go, we mm-hmm. use for our primary espresso machine, we use a La Marzocco Lenia, which uh, it's actually interesting because that is, that's a very common machine that you'll see in a lot of cafes is a La Marzocco Lenia. And that's a lot of people in the industry call it a workhorse because it's not, it's not super complicated, but it is extraordinarily reliable and it is sturdy and it can make amazing coffee without having to mess with it too much and a lot of these newer cafes have beautiful machines but they're ridiculously expensive they have all these different things with pre-infusion and uh temperature profiling and pressure profiling and that's all fantastic there's nothing against that but there is also in my view something to be said about making incredible coffee with uh limited variables and being able to train on it well and execute it well. And um, it forces you to look at the simpler things when you're making coffee with your distribution, with your temperature, with your water filtration. Uh, These things are really important. And as long as you have those elements dialed in really well, you can make any machine make amazing coffee. And that's great about the the lineas. It's just simple and consistent and helps us deliver beautiful coffee without having to play with it too much yeah really well said yeah excited uh excited to come in the shop soon and uh again you serve us the best of the best on today's episode uh literally uh speaking before i jump on like lessons learned you know since opening uh you, you tease that in terms of like the differentiate the differentiators uh, of your coffee can you talk about uh you know most popular beverages or go-to's that daily grinders that come in your uh shop yeah, for sure. I mean, so lattes, Americanos, yeah, and yeah. coffee. I feel like that's going to be yeah. any cafe you go That's always going to be king. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, like I said, our signature drinks have really developed such a dedicated crowd, which is awesome. Uh, as I said, lattes are extremely common, but things uh, like our house-made syrups allow people to get their daily coffee, but in kind of a unique way. Um, our most popular signature drink is called the Lush Life. And this is a drink that actually was designed to be a spring seasonal drink, but it became so popular that now it's a mainstay and it outsells everything by far. And it's relatively simple. It's a um, latte, an ice latte that's shaken with Calafia almond milk. And it has an orange blossom honey syrup that we make. And um, the orange, so the orange blossom honey syrup has orange, or sorry, uh, yeah, orange flower water, honey, fresh squeezed lime, and a little bit of water. And the almond milk that we use from Calafia is just so incredibly clean. It has a light mouthfeel. It's got like a delicate sweetness. And I'm Greek, as people may be able to determine from my name. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's very common in Greek and Mediterranean food in general is the combination of orange flower water, honey, and almond like in a lot of desserts. And there's something about those flavors when they come together that just sings in such an incredible way. 
So that drink was kind of designed to go with almond milk. And I love oat milk. Uh, most people get oat milk for their drinks now. And I think oat milk is the cleanest, most uh, milky kind of milk alternative out there. But this drink does not taste right when you make it with oat milk. It has to be made with that specific almond milk, which is really mm -hmm. fascinating. So when people taste that combination, it's just this perfect balance of a little sweet, a little floral, really clean. Uh, it's got a, just a touch of acidity from lime. Um, and it's it, people just get it so much. It's pretty great. So I would say that that's, yeah. that's something that we throw a lot of every day, especially coming into the hot months, the summer months. It's just, it's, it, I mean, we make just so much of it. Yeah, it hits the spot. Well, I like it. Yeah, now, now, I, know what to know, now I know what to order next time. Here we go. We're just Absolutely. thinking three steps Good ahead. Job. Yeah, so I, I'd kind of combine both questions together on this, but what you what have you learned since opening up Ghost Note Coffee, and then also like what advice would you have for anyone that's starting their own business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, as far as what I've learned, I mean, it's more <laughs> than I can properly sum up in one statement. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's a big open question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like the biggest challenge you've ever faced and dedicated years <laughs> to and. What have you learned? Can you uh, say in 30 seconds? Yeah, that's very hard. But uh, I'll say that I've learned how challenging it is to, uh, how challenging it can be to remain focused and dedicated and driven at all times. And there are moments where I feel burnt out and kind of hopeless. And I feel like it's normal for, it's good for people to hear that because uh, a lot of times people are exposed to that, I guess you can call it hustle culture of being an entrepreneur where it's like need to be driven and motivated and, and happy and excited and firing and all cylinders all the time, which everybody wants to do that. But it's also important to be like, you know, sometimes I just don't feel like it or sometimes I'm burnt out or I don't really want to do this. Um, but these moments are also really important for us because it forces you to rethink things and try to innovate. Uh, my personal mantra that I say to myself is there's always a better way to do something and that should apply to everything all the time in entrepreneurship in life in whatever you do so that's something that I tell my staff when I train them that's something that is really the guiding force of everything that I do in business is there's always a better way to do something it doesn't matter how small that thing is or how big that thing is there is always going to be some way that you can do that thing a little bit better and if you don't do it somebody else will and I would rather be the person that does that um, so I think that as far as advice for somebody starting their own business with a few exceptions I think that it's a really bad idea to start a business as a hobby that's just my opinion um, particularly in food and beverage and hospitality before owning a business in a particular industry, I think it's very important to gain as much uh, experience and perspective as possible. So if you wanna own a coffee shop, I think you should be a barista. I think you should scrub toilets. I think you should learn the struggles of everyday workers. Um, you should have uh, bad bosses that maybe aren't great at paying you on time and you should learn what it's like to uh, not always have your vacation time approved and things like that. As much as that sucks, 
I feel like it actually is important to get that kind of experience in the industry. It tells you what to do and what not to do, what certain things feel like, what different environments feel like. Um, and you should visit as many cafes as possible, surround yourself with people who are better than you. That is really important. I feel like no matter what you do, that was something that was important for me with music as well, was I always tried to play with musicians that were way better than I was. And it's intimidating at times, and it's challenging at times, and it makes me feel inadequate at times, but it will, it will make you grow way quicker than you think. Um, ask as many questions as you can with them, and just know that there is no hurry. You know, if you, I've worked for various people that have started coffee shops because they're like, hey, um, I've done this thing in my life and I'm kind of looking for something new and I want to open up a coffee shop. They have no experience in coffee. They have no real perspective on the industry. They don't really know how to make coffee. And while it sounds like a fun idea, it never really ends up working out well. And a lot of people don't want to work for people like that. And I feel like there are people like that in the, um, in the restaurant industry, in the hotel industry, and um, it's, it's just gonna be so much better if you decide to take a moment, take a certain period of your life to really get in the weeds and understand what that industry is like. Really well said. Uh, again, Crystal's touching on the hands-on experience and, and telling it from a realistic, you know, true story out here. Uh, key success uh, at Go Nose Coffee, but, uh, you know, it takes the grit, the grind, the hard effort to really go places and uh, really understand the full picture, the ins and outs of, of the business. Uh, speaking of the grind, uh, the Daily Grind, that's the name of our podcast. What does the Daily Grind mean to you? Uh, well, I think it's living that idea of there's always a better way to do what you're doing, like I said before. So if I'm having trouble with that, I take my ideas apart and I put them back together. And I always want to be able to look back at any point in time, any point in time whatsoever, and look back at, let's say, a month, two months, a year, three years, and say that I'm doing things better now than I was then. And if I'm not, then... That means I failed myself. Um, I was the coffee director at Columbia City Bakery for a while, which is a phenomenal bakery here in the Seattle area. And the owner, Evan Andres, is a dear friend of mine and kind of a mentor of mine and has been for a long time. And we've shared a lot of our ideas and philosophies on craft and um, growing what you do. And he, he instilled to me that sense of, you're only as good as the last loaf of bread that you made, which essentially means if you, or at least it means to me, if you can't look at the last thing that you made and be like, this is the best thing I've made, then you need to rethink what you're doing. Um, another thing that he said that I think really, uh, I think about a lot is I never want to be a bakery that used to be good. That's like his worst nightmare. So I'm not going to name any names, but there are certain bakeries where that he's told me, you know, this bakery that's in Seattle, like 10, 15 years ago, people used to be like, this is the best bakery in Seattle. Like you go to Seattle, you have to go here. But since then, there are other bakeries that have done that or that bakery that used to be the best, maybe didn't really grow uh, is, or they didn't really adapt. They 
got too big. They opened up more locations than they should have. They became a little bit more like everybody else. And he's like, that's the last thing I want. I want to always be seen as the best baker in Seattle. And that means changing. That means being willing to change, seeing what other people are doing, uh, knowing when things aren't working, and just moving forward. Um, so I feel like philosophically that's, that's a great thing for any entrepreneur to keep in mind is it's so easy to live off of this buzz of short-term success and see that people are really responding to this. I'm growing. People are excited. People love what I do. And then when that, that balloon inevitably pops, um, complaining about it or uh, knocking your competitors or just going out of business, it's so much better for you to be like, okay, how can I maintain the status of being the thing that everyone sees as the best? And always work on that. Don't just live off of your short-term adrenaline that you get from these little perks. You're going to always move the goalpost. And if you don't move, then people are going to move without you. And that's just the fact. People don't really care if you're stubborn and don't want to do things a little bit differently. They don't care about that at all. They're going to grow and they're going to do things differently, whether or not you do. So it's a better idea to adapt and uh, learn how to grow in a new environment. Really well said. Key definition and just explain that whole story, Chris. So it's so important for our listeners on today's episode, uh, being adaptive, uh, staying focused, but then also, you know, putting in that hard work, effort, that grind. Uh, the, uh, like you mentioned uh, throughout this whole entire interview, uh, spreading ton of gems along the way uh, for us to really level up in our respective role, business, industry, etc. Uh, so yeah, in closing here, Chris, as we talk about your daily schedule, you have quite the grind going on at Ghost Note Coffee. What's on your radar, your daily grind uh, later this year? Oh, wow. Well, like I said, we have a lot of adventures projects, and last year we started planting the seeds of some very interesting things for us in our future. Um, we're working on some really brilliant collaborations with some people. We did a phenomenal holiday collaboration in 2022 with a local chocolate company called Spinnaker, and we're looking at expanding that in some unique ways with some more collaborations. Um, our jug drinks that I told you about, where we package our um, house-made signature drinks and things like that. We are looking at doing that in a much more interesting way, growing that, um, improving our packaging, hopefully being able to ship it out to folks. That's going to be, that's something that has been very challenging, but is uh, a project that we're really dedicated to finding solutions for, which is cool. Uh, product, product development. There's a lot of things that we've been making in-house that we just want to make better and be able to, kind of like those drinks, ship out to other people and just have our presence out there. And um, we've always been interested in expansion. We've always been interested in the idea of opening up more locations and seeing what different locations would look like and um, hopefully looking into that idea more. And um, yeah, there's so many opportunities for big things. And, you know, we're just, uh, we're trying to stay dedicated to the to the really big adventurous things. And even though it seems like they're very far away, we're putting a lot of energy into uh, trying to make those things a reality, which are challenging, but also extremely rewarding. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, giving us a couple of teasers on, on today's episode, uh, future 
uh, continued success as always. Uh, kudos to you and your team and what you do every single day uh, on your daily grind. Uh, speaking of your story, Christo is very inspirational. Do you have a word of the day to motivate our listeners out there or a quote, saying, mantra? You did share with us earlier on in the episode. Yeah, I, I, I mean, honestly, it, I, I really just live off of there's always a better way to do what you're doing. I mean, that to me is that sums up everything that I want to do. That uh, tells me that no matter how satisfied I am or unsatisfied with something, I know that there is a different way to do it and there's a way to make it even incrementally better. And I feel like that's the mindset that you have to have in entrepreneurship. And if you're not looking to do something that you do a little bit better, then why are you doing it? Really well said. I think that quote fits perfectly with your story. What what you're looking to do out here in the world, Christos, uh, encompasses your story uh, on today's episode on The Daily Grind here. Last but not least, uh, hey, if our listeners have questions, comments, want to get in touch with you, want to visit the shop, uh, you know, want to follow a uh, ghost note, how can they do so? Yeah, absolutely. So our Instagram uh, is at ghost note coffee. Uh, we do have a Twitter. We're not super active on that. We're not super active on our Facebook, but uh, Instagram, we do have a lot of engagement. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me directly, it's Christos at ghostnocopy.com. So C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S at ghostnocopy.com. Um, I love talking to people about their ideas. I love getting feedback. Um, and yeah, I love honestly meeting new people and connecting with new people, especially entrepreneurs that are excited about we're, what we're doing. And um, maybe there's some collaboration opportunities there. So I don't know. I'm open to anything. Wonderful. Yes, we'll put where to find Christos and Ghost Note Coffee in today's show notes. As always, thanks again for tuning today's episode. A big thank you to Christos for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on. Thanks for tuning in to the Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. Please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and shop our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian. 